Welcome to the Truth Lover video podcast presented by Love and Truth Party. I am your host, Will Pye, author, transformational coach, and founder of Love and Truth Party. You can find out more about me at www.willpye.com. Love and Truth Party is a self-organizing, self-replicating community and movement of love and awakening, a wisdom school, facilitating health, healing, and happiness, liberating humanity from the matrix of fear and self-loathing. Find us and join our mailing list at loveandtruthparty.org. We exist to empower the deep realization and integration of unitive consciousness of one human being and to inspire action in the world from this clarity as New Earth ninjas, our playful avatar. We do so in the spirit of play, holding the paradox that all is well, even and including all collective crises, whilst simultaneously being moved to act to lessen suffering and serve the creation of conscious culture and society. Our projects include distributing a million love letters from the universe, inviting people to receive the love and care in these and within the happiness acts, including the seven questions and other free resources, including our online courses, the alchemy of cancer, the alchemy of depression, the meditation game, and so on, uh, all soon to be released on loveandtruthparty.org. O-R-G. We believe that in giving, we receive, and we invite you to pay forward the value you receive in this podcast by sharing, liking, subscribing for more great dialogues and conversations. Leave a review on iTunes, get your love letters from the website, follow us on social media, and please consider supporting us at loveandtruthparty.org. I'm really excited to be joined today by three dear friends and beautiful souls. Usually listeners and viewers will see uh, myself and one other person. It's an unprecedented time here upon planet Earth and it feels really rich to expand the conversation in this time. And uh, I'll introduce my friends here. So we have Lynn Marie Lumiere, who I saw giving a wonderful presentation on awakened activism at the SAN conference many years ago. Lynn Marie is a non-dual psychotherapist, a spiritual mentor and author. Isaac Shapiro, he's over here in Australia with, with me, though a fair way away. He is a facilitator. I've seen Isaac's work globally uh, impacting thousands of people in what I understand to be rather revolutionary satsangs, retreats, and, and more. I think it's fair to say that Isaac is a spiritual mentor to many people as well. Uh, Elena Nizinski. I've just learned today how to pronounce Elena's first name correctly. I realized as I was saying that, I don't know if I've got her second name correctly. We'll have to, we maybe have to work on that. Elena, I've spent some wonderful time within California. She is an author and a, a free thinker and uh, a spiritual mentor to, to many people. A transformational coach, I think, if that's the correct term. I know you do some coaching for people one-on-one as well. You'll be able to find out more about each of my guests via the, the various pages. You'll see their full bios and contact details and, and website addresses and so on. Now, the reason that I gathered these three souls together, we're in this very interesting time, and to, to give our conversation a, a title, uh, to give us some broad guidance, COVID-19, Courage 
clarity and opportunity. And the reason I've invited the three of you, as many people have been experiencing, there's a lot of chatter on social media. One could easily spend 24 hours a day reading news articles on social media just on COVID-19 alone. There's a phenomenal amount of commentary, opinion pieces from all different perspectives. And of course, social media allows all of us to have an opinion and to share those opinions freely in our democracies where censorship is prohibited, <laughs> apparently. And within that context, we know, of course, that social media has started to censor certain perspectives on COVID-19, which is itself a very uh, interesting development in a liberal democracy. And I've noticed that with the three of you, there was something that seemed to be uniting us in that there were alternative perspectives, positions being expressed, and I was noticing quite strong pushback by some of your friends and followers on social media, sometimes quite uh, strongly emotionally reactive around the role that you're a, a, a spiritual teacher or you're a, a position of authority. You shouldn't be saying these things. And it struck me that it would be interesting to, to explore that in, in dialogue or, or, or quadrilogue with the four of us. So perhaps I'm, I'm going to go late ladies first. Uh, perhaps uh, Lynn Marie or Elena, you would like to speak to what your experience has been sharing around COVID-19 over the last uh, few weeks. Um, well, my experience has been uh, from the beginning, from the very beginning of the quarantine or the lockdown, I started questioning the official narrative. And I, I tend to be, you know, a questioner of everything anyway. You know, I have been for for quite some time. And I am a truth lover. I want to know what the truth is. You know, I'm, I'm always exploring what the truth is on all levels, not just spiritually, but what the truth is within me, my psychological, my psyche, you know, and in our world. So I just uh, began searching. I be began listening to lots of people and, and learning and being open to, you know, what's going on here what's going on here beyond, you know, what the mainstream narrative was regarding this. And um, just started to be amazed by, you know, like you said, so many different dialogues and so many different strong opinions. And I started to voice my own questions regarding this. And, you know, people feel pretty, felt pretty strongly, some people, that this shouldn't be questioned, you know, that this was a serious situation and we needed to comply and you know not question it and um, I don't know if I've ever seen so many strong opinions so many differing and strong opinions about one thing so it's very interesting in itself that that's that's what's happening and I've you know endeavored to kind of hold open you know opinions and I get too fixed in them um, but explore um, more deeply what might be really going on here but that we're uh, not being told. Hmm. And, and sometimes people have reactions to that. <laughs> Nicely surmised. Oh, I'll go. Hmm. Um, 
my journey to just be human uh, started a long time ago and uh, also involved um, seeing and um, understanding um, parts that parts of the human life that I was um, not open before to at all. Uh, it's interesting because I remember 1998, I think 1998, 1999, when um, there was uh, a huge financial crisis. And I went through those years, have no idea. <laughs> there was a crisis at that time. 1998 in in the US probably I don't know about the world um, but that's how totally oblivious I was I was I never had a TV in my in in my home since childhood um, and I never really watched uh, television so I continue like this and as, as an adult and lived uh, my own um, lived what is was what what was interesting at that time. And apparently, at this time, suddenly, <laughs> I don't know why, because I never was interested interested in any political or anything like that. At this time, um, it's. It is, um, it seems like uh, I, I could not not see it because it's just too big what's going on. And as soon as I saw it, I, um, I don't know, I just didn't have questions actually. I saw what is true for me. And what is true for me was that covering your face and being like faceless uh, in the name of uh, protecting people, um, which I I made a lot of research and it doesn't work, right? So I don't know. I I shouldn't say right because it's right for me. It's I don't know how it's for others, but from the beginning I. I just felt it, it is all about fear. It is all about fear and instilling this new way of being on us where we cover our face, we are more homogenized, uh, um, even more homogenized than before. And it just didn't feel right for me. Um, so I just started to, I don't, I didn't know if this COVID-19 exists or don't exist. I just didn't feel, uh, that fear and homogenization and, um, kind of like obeying everything that, that is put up in a mainstream media was just not right for me. So I started to talk about it. Um, I started to talk what, what, is, what is more right for me. And it was about 
about uh, looking at this situation as a fear-based living, which doesn't feel correct at all. Hmm. So I started to write about um, how to go through this times. It doesn't really matter the COVID-19 or 20 or 25 or one or another something that the environment really doesn't matter because it can be all kinds of different environment. What matters is, are we living with fear or we are living who we are? And when I started to talk about it, I, I, I did have some um, pushback, like Will, you said, and that pushback was um, because I started to post some research. Um, I watched London Real, a very good platform where Brian Rose interviews all kinds of different uh, independent thinkers. Um, yeah, so that's how my journey started, just because I felt that that fear is um, not, not right for me to 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 live by i'm a little bit um, nervous because i didn't speak <laughs> for a long time and you will know the last time i spoke to you so i'm a little bit nervous but i'll get better <laughs> <laughs> cuddles to any nerves arising in our beautiful bodies i i love the simplicity of that the, the fear doesn't feel right in the system. It doesn't feel correct. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot we can explore there. Uh, Isaac, I'd love to hear from yourself uh, again, just how it's been for you uh, being a free thinker, uh, questioning, sharing your experience and thoughts on social media and, and generally perhaps around COVID-19. So, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's actually simple. We have this moment and we either live it as a love affair or a fear affair, you know, it's like that. And so, uh, I'm, my orientation has been like always looking at a, a bigger picture in a sense. It's like, you know, in Western medicine, you go to a doctor and they say, oh, you've got this and this symptom and you take this drug for it. But there's no looking at why, you know, how it's, what's bringing that imbalance about. So to me, that makes much more sense. It's just like, okay, so here we have COVID-19. Okay, now it's in the context of how as a species we've moved in life. And uh, it, it flashed on me that like about 10,000 years ago, agriculture was discovered, well, you know, like this. So who would have thought that just that little discovery would end up with life like it is on the planet now? 
But that, just that, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, maybe 200,000 years of living as hunter-gatherers in agriculture, and then this movement that just ended up like it is now. And so, you know, nowadays we're farming in ways that is destroying the topsoil. Uh, and, you know, we've moved into cities all as a result of the discovery of agriculture. And, we, you know, we're using fossil fuels. I mean, all the rest of it that's coming. And then we get an expression like COVID. But also within that has been the how we've developed politically, economically. So it's a whole expression. And in, in, in a, from how it looks here is there's no individuals. It's just who's doing all of this. It has to be consciousness or totality or whatever that great intelligence is. And somehow the rising of these expressions that are questioning things all played by consciousness, you know, it's like, so our function in a way is what it is. It's just like that. I don't think any of us asked for it. We find ourselves like this. <laughs> and so, you know, there's people talk about conspiracy theories, but I mean, if, you, if, if we just look simply, there's, we know there's organized crime. And we know, we've watched enough movies of how the battles go to take more territory and all that stuff. The same, I mean, I don't know whether you can equate politics with organized crime, but it seems pretty similar in a certain way. And so, you know, there's an aspect of consciousness that does that, that wants to control. And we watch how it's progressed to now where a few people own more than the rest of the 90% of everybody else on the planet. So that's, um, you know, that's happening. And I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it's just the way consciousness isn't functioning. But at the same time, there's a recognition in many that this way of functioning is going to, I mean, it's not sustainable. It's not, it's not, uh, something has to change. So then I look, okay, what, <laughs> what do we have that facilitates that? And to me, it seems like inherent in awareness is this capacity to make very fine distinctions and start to sense like fear, love. Okay. Just like simple, uh, distinctions, you know, it's like, um, so, yeah. and I see it as like, how do we invite in ourselves, basically, and uh, to look deeper, to see where there's participation to develop the capacity to say no clearly. With you could say when I when I say clearly, just that capacity as love, love can say no very clearly and very loudly. So 
and all of that's happening within the context of Facebook. And so, <laughs> but there, you know, we can't actually see each other's expressions and people, <laughs> you know, you write a few squiggles on the, on the screen and it, who knows what it touches. And then it comes out in these you know, funny ways. And, you know, from my perspective, it's all an invitation just to, to look deeper. But um, then it gets taken like I'm, you know, like I'm somehow promoting a certain uh, perspective or opinion. To me, it's very clear that there's uh, an attempt to control and go into tyranny, complete tyranny. And it's been going on for a long time. It's not like this just started now. This has been going on forever, actually. You know, like, what's the history of mankind? An invasion. Take all the resources, rape the woman, kill the men who could fight, take the children, and then the next wave, and then the next wave. That's our history. And uh, so we're just watching that same thing happening now, except now it's happening, yeah, you know, using money, using politics. I mean, that's what's going on. So to not see that, I'd say, is a way of participating in it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, and so, wow, okay. Then you get, you know, like then, then you get this, oh, why put energy into that? Just imagine a better world. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you for that invitation. And I, when I look at it, it's, it's like, you know, we know how easy intimate relating is, yeah? <laughs> it's like a walk in the park. Yeah? That's why most murders happen within intimate relating. It touches the deepest stuff that goes on in us. Mm-hmm. And we can go into it blindly, not knowing, you know, not recognizing that all the patterns are going to come up and that that's the opportunity of it. Or we go for the Hollywood version. Oh, I'm going to meet the person and they're going to complete me and I'm going to be happy forever. But <laughs> anyway. I'm digressing, but I'm not. It's the same conversation. There's a, there's a few points I want to highlight and, and, and interweave from each of your sharings. One, I think what I love your pointing to, Isaac, and I hear deeply, is the, the opportunity or the invitation. So if this is ultimately consciousness at play or the history of human evolution unfolding, what's the great opportunity here? And there's a listening and there's an invitation that perhaps we're uh, being 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 given to to discover that to uncover that to to create perhaps too, and I I love the point that you made, Elena, which feels really significant. That that the mask, that the, the mask as a way of making faceless, the mask as a way of muffling, the mask that was put on slaves, a mask that will make you according to many credible researchers, more prone to becoming ill. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so right here we have, and what you pointed to as well there, Elena, um, a mask that we are told to wear in order to demonstrate that we are caring 
and compassionate human beings. So you have this wonderful guilt trip that's set up such that if you choose to follow your it's own... It's so well orchestrated. It's so well orchestrated. My God, I have to take my head off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's, a, there's another uh, point that came up in, uh, in, in, in these sharings. One is around uh, fear and love. And I actually feel that sometimes this is dismissed as, as, as too simplistic, but as, a, as an embodied reality, we, we know one feels good and one does not. There's, there's, a, there's a simple truth in our own bodies that we, that we, that we know. We also know from psychoneuroimmunological studies and so on that to be in love, to be in connection, to be in safety is good for our health. To be in fear is not. And I also would argue that it's not necessary to be in fear to take intelligent actions. So someone can be you know, flying Hallelujah. a fist towards your face and you can move out the way without the need for fear to arise and you can recognize there's a threat more subtle and take action without the needing to be there, present. And the other point I wanted just to offer uh, in, into that sort of weaving of what I'm hearing from each of you, it feels important, is this, this languaging of conspiracy theory, which is really extraordinary because what does conspiracy theory mean? It, it means that some people got together and, and talked about executing a plan. And did, yeah, does that happen? That, 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 that maybe we didn't know about, or that maybe goes against the intentions and desires of others. So it's this really just like, yeah, people talk and, it, and it's used in this extraordinary sort of um, semantic warrior way that, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. It's like mm -hmm. in a cult, you do this, you create language that allows you to defend against anything that would question the cult in a very instant, irrational way. So you say satanic or heretic or, you know, the outsiders or, or they haven't got the truth. And, and in such a way, the group think, protects itself and, per and perpetuates itself without any critical thinking or examination. Yeah, you know, there's a huge cult on the planet at the moment, the difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, um, the term conspiracy theory, for people that may not know this, is, was developed in the late 60s by the CIA. To, to discredit people who were questioning the JFK assassination, and then later the Martin Luther King assassination. So that's been over 50 years now. And now that, that programming over such a long period of time has become complete enough that at this point, it seems that any questioning other than the mainstream narrative at all any questioning, any commentary outside of that, even one millimeter, conspiracy theory. And I hear that from everybody now. You know, are you listening to the conspiracy theories? Which means just anything other than what the TV is saying or the 
the official's story. Um, and what that does is it automatically discredits it somehow. You know, it's discredited. And when oh, it's and all- I see it, And I see it happening from people that are quite conscious that they right. just dismiss it. And it's so painful to me. Right. Right. You know, also just while we're talking about this, like this, the moment you mentioned vaccines, for example, whoa, that's a shitstorm. It's mm -hmm. like, and so, you know, it's like immediately another term is you're an anti-vaxxer. This, it's like discredited, just poof, like that. And or it's like fake news. Fake news is another one, a newer one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is you know like talk, looking at here we told this uh, a virus, and then you start looking where does it come from? Oh well, it's, we know it comes. We know. I actually I saw this brilliant interview where this guy was saying all the like smallpox and chickenpox, and all, they all come from animals, our association with animals, which happened 10,000 years ago when we started domesticating animals. And then, you know, we, the people that associated with animals, when they met people that hadn't, huge amounts of those people died because they didn't have the antibodies from being associated with animals. Like in Hawaii, 90% of the wines died from measles. So, smallpox you know, like, aboriginals in Australia was also a, a huge decimation. Exactly. Of the population. Yeah, and they track which comes from which. And at this point, according to that guy, anyway, the, the, the only real danger to humans is um, viruses that come from birds. And the way we raise chickens, millions of chickens in a small building with not proper attitude, literally sitting in their own shit. And the way we raise pigs, where they kind of like, you know, the, the waste from pigs with all the antibiotics is so toxic, they can't do anything with it. And yet we don't think maybe we should take a look at what our practices are. No, let's but just develop a vaccine. The funny, the, funny, <laughs> the funny thing is we do, and we say it's to do with one or two wet markets in China. We say that yeah. we, we need to look at how we're treating animals. And I think this, it's those Chinese guys with their wet markets rather than looking at the global industrialized complex of torturing animals in their own shit yeah. creating this yeah. horrific horrific um, yeah. armageddon of animals that we then and then you know once yeah and then once there's fear it's like the world will not be safe until we develop a vaccine and bill gates is suddenly yes look you know that's we need to vaccinate everyone but yet, at the same time, saying yes, this thing is, this is uh, mutating constantly. How are you going to develop a vaccine for something that's mutating? It doesn't. I mean, logically, it makes no sense at all. But yet, people are going there. Yes, vaccines. Vaccines are our savior. And, and there's uh, been, there's been um, almost no mention whatsoever about an immune system. That exactly. We have nothing. And then we have an immune system that we need to strengthen. And, um, you know, for 100 years or so, we haven't, with different um, pandemics that have come through, they come through and, you know, they, they take the weaker people and then others build immunity. And you don't quarantine the, uh, the healthy, you know, they quarantine mm -hmm. 
the sick. And the, this is what I started to question and in my gut didn't feel right. Um, and then many um, credible scientists and doctors have credited and come out, have come out with information to, to indicate that this lockdown was not necessary. This, this in complete lockdown in some countries was very total and some was, was lesser. But to take human beings and lock them down and keep them distant, if you look at that from a psychosocial perspective, to keep human beings at a distance all the time, not being able to gather, not being able to touch, not being able to, to hug, um, it's, it's extremely detrimental to our health. I mean, I feel that what's the, how this is being responded to is far more detrimental than the virus itself. You know, yeah. we're also getting lots of doctors talking about how the, there aren't as many deaths as what the media is putting out. It's very clear to me that the media is promoting fear. It's very clear to me that this has something to do with control. Um, they're now in California. Our governor is talking about doing tracking and tracing, coming and knocking on people's doors, um, forcibly um, testing them. And if some people are tested positive, they can be removed from the home. It's getting out of control. And if we, we come back to where the opportunity is, where's the opportunity here? This has been throughout our history, and now the control seems to be going global, and there's seems to be multiple agendas behind this. The vaccines are one, you know, the global control, change in economy. There's a long list probably of agendas behind this. But how are we going to shift this? It seems to me that, you know, to fight this on a political, economic, social level, it's just not possible anymore. There's already too much control and surveillance, you know, to organize anything like that. And it seems like a shift in consciousness is really necessary. Like somehow enough percentage of people have to wake up, have to wake up um, to what we are in our nature, our deeper nature, the power that we all have. We're not helpless victims. We're infinite beings. They're manifesting through these human forms. And part of the awakening too is waking up politically. You know, I really feel strongly about that. Waking up to our own individual shadow, like working with our, our wounding, our conditioning, our pain individually, and then looking at the collective. And I see a lot of resistance to looking at the collective. You know, there's so many different opinions about it that it gets really confusing, but it also gets very dark. I know when I first started to look and really look and examine and like, what's really going on here? I kept getting shocked by the level of shadow that's operating on this planet that's been proliferated because people aren't looking at it. And then you hear the, the spiritual people often saying, which I think Isaac referred to, uh, just focus on the light, you know, envision a better world, you know, um, you know, mentally see that happening and let's just focus on the light. That's really dark. I'm not going to go there. I hear that all the time uh, with people I work with and, um, people in the greater you know spiritual communities yet i agree that to do that is to cooperate with it is to help proliferate it because how can we transform something that we're not even looking at that we're not facing and then how do we face it how do we face it without being in connection with that deeper vast nature i feel like to look at all this 
is very, very challenging. We need nervous system capacity. We need uh, awakened consciousness capacity and a lot of courage to be able to really face what's going on here and not just bypass it spiritually, which is, oh, let's focus on the light or it's all an illusion, or bypass it politically, which is conspiracy theory. Both are just different ways to dismiss, you know, what's happening right in front of our face. And we're at a really um, crossroads as a human species right now. I believe we have an evolutionary imperative to wake up on all of these levels. If we don't, we're not in a sustainable situation and it's going to be we're, uh, some kind of mass extinction or mass slavery or we don't know what, but we need to wake up. And um, to me, the political awakening and the spiritual awakening go hand to hand, hand in hand, that we, we need that deeper connection to even be able to look at this and stand in it and then find a way to stay awake, rooted in the truth of our being while facing this incredible shadow on the planet right now. And op move, take actions, move into this world in a way that we're moved from a deeper wisdom, not from our reactions, our opinions, are certainly not from, from the separate ego self. That, that's not going to, that's what got us here in the first place. And the solution can only be found, you know, from coming from that infinite wisdom. And we don't even know what that's going to look like. But I think that it's time, uh, you know, we will just see how many people can wake up in that way and move in that way to be able to shift the trajectory that we're on now. I really do think that we have an imperative to do that right now. And uh, we'll see how that goes. I just know that I have a commitment to, to face this in myself, my own shadow, the collective shadow, to deepen. This has been an inspiration, talk about the, the opportunity here, the inspiration is to deepen in, in my awakening so I can be with all of this without going into fear or reactivity. That's a challenge. Yeah, just to bring something into this conversation for us all to, to look at. You know, when we talk about my shadow or the collective shadow, the moment the we thing. say my, the way we say my, there's an identification that's actually in the way of really inquiring into it. Uh, so there is, look, there is shadow. And one other thing that's just worth looking at is that we were speaking about fear. The other side of that is wanting to be safe. So that wanting to be safe, as soon as life is looking through that filter of wanting to be safe, in any of us, you know, in the collective, it shows up as far as I can see as atom bombs, armies, it's war. The moment there's that wanting to be safe. And is there such a thing as safety? So it's like, you know, this, this is, that's to me a deep inquiry, just feeling in our systems where there's wanting to be safe in relating. Is there such a thing? You know, can you can we actually be safe in relating? I, well, good luck, from from what I can see. There's a or, wonderful uh, quote of uh, 
spiritual revolutionary Jesus Christ who said to have said in our defenselessness lies our greatest strength Mm -hmm. Alan Watts put it the insecurity the wisdom of our insecurity the wisdom of insecurity to embrace and know our complete lack of safety our complete lack of Mm -hmm. security that any moment it could be all over for the physical body this is the truth of incarnation and beyond that to know Lynn Marie you were sort of asking pointing us to what is the response and what is the opportunity a couple of ways of being for myself that feel embodied as helpful and true. One, one is, is truly love to, to, to love this entire drama. The other is, is laughter actually to take that perspective that scans out from infinity and eternity to see this whole human drama, uh, the, the drama of death that we actually are now knowing scientifically is not the end of the physical is the end of the physical experience but not the end of the experience <laughs> you know we've we've feared this terrible terrible event and then there's this sort of uh, mind-blowing orgasmic experience into infinite lights and other dimensions you know <laughs> so with all really quickly you mentioned humor i just want to say i love the humor that's come um for us as a result of this and that's one thing I'm, I'm getting from facebook that i'm enjoying so much humor have you noticed that you know mm-hmm. this uh, cartoons and jokes and i just got one today with somebody's face all distorted in it it said this is the first trials for the covid vaccine and the results of it and you know people are just you know really i just love the humor that the human beings are coming up with this I've seen Elena posting a few humorous ones. There was uh, an individual, I think the individual is, is uh, suggested to be offering an alternative perspective and someone in a, in a full hazmat gear and oxygen mask says, you're being paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one too, yeah. Yes, when I was like, has, uh, Jane, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, when I was listening to you, um, I didn't know how to um, actually express um, what I want, but then uh, Will started with how actually um, it expresses in me personally and the humor and this like amazement what's going on and how lucky we are to live in this time and participate in this absolutely amazing um, experience, right? Um, uh, I'm from Russia, so (laughs) when I was a child, I was thinking um, all the fun is, is gone. Basically, revolution is <laughs> happened, <laughs> World War II, perestroika, and my life will be boring. <laughs> and then this comes. <laughs> <laughs> this beats it all. <laughs> <laughs> this is even better than perestroika. 
<laughs> you can imagine the gods laughing and say, oh, it seems that it's all over. All the interesting stuff is done. But don't worry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I met this um, change that happened with um, pandemic and lockdown and virus and all this. I was like, wow, this, this is amazing. What's going on? This is interesting to live. Every day you wake up, it's interesting where it's going because it's unknown. It's absolutely unknown. I mean, it was unknown before too, but people pretend that they, they knew what, what was going on. Now everybody agrees that it's unknown, right? <laughs> Where are we going? So that makes it very, very interesting. And um, from, from that, you can laugh um, at these things, you know? And um, yeah, for me, it was to, to just... Touch on Laughter, just briefly, Elena, before you continue. Laughter, from an evolutionary biological perspective, we understand to be a mechanism by which the nervous system restores itself to health and peace, or a means by which we communicated, perhaps pre-verbally, <laughs> that everything's okay, that the threat has now passed, that we can now let the cortisol drop, chill again, enjoy the grass, or whatever. And and. And it's interesting because this has been two months of um, two or some something like that of lockdown. We all <laughs> lost <laughs> track of time. <laughs> um, it's it's been really pleasant experience, and I know this. What I'm saying right now can evoke strong feelings in some people that how how it can be pleasant experience and because i don't wake up with fear i live right now what is right now covid 19 or 20 or 50 as i said before it doesn't matter what environment is if you live in yourself right now if you live in it i was thinking about it actually why people are afraid to die and I'm thinking because they didn't, they don't leave themselves and they feel they didn't leave themselves yet. You know what I mean? They kind of like, they, 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 they were living some kind of roles. They were living some, some, some aspirations that, that have nothing to do with who they are. And so now they're afraid to die or to, to get the virus and get sick or something because they feel inside that something is not lived yet. It's not yet lived. So they are not ready to go. If you live right now who you are, right now, at this moment, there is no fear to die because you're totally complete. And there's a distinction there, which I feel is really, speaks to my experience you know i was diagnosed with a, a brain tumor so the whole idea of what i've got to do with this life has been particularly pertinent and, and alive and something that's been arising for me is how do you even quantify that yeah, so let's say i'm here to serve how, how, how do i serve is it how many people i serve is it how profoundly i serve them is it more serving to help someone cure their own cancer that it is to point someone to their own true nature in a moment, you know, <laughs> like what's, what, what, what is the doing? How could I possibly know? And what I hear you speak to 
Elena, is that there is actually something of completion of purpose, function, in just coming to know our own being and actually really fully embodying the, the unique flavor of being that is Elena, that is Isaac, that is Lynn Marie, that is Will. To actually really allow that to be embodied is a, a completion of sorts, which does lead to a falling away of the, 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 the fear of, of death. It feels like there's a, something very, very powerful in, in that. And I'm, I'm gifted. <laughs> you know, we, we're hearing you say that it can be provocative to say that there's gift or that there's opportunity or that, that I've been having a, a good experience. Um, you can imagine uh, saying blessed with a brain tumor uh, for, for many people is a little bit provocative in itself. Um, I've been gifted on going and I had this experience yesterday morning most recently where my neurology, which has been through a fair bit over the years, um, appears to be nearing overwhelm and it feels like I'm about to have a grand mal seizure. And what that meant yesterday, I was in the bath, in the shower. Uh, the showers, I think, not a good place to have a seizure, right? There's lots of glass about, lots of things that you could knock yourself out on. So it felt important to get out of the shower as soon as possible. And I get out and I get down onto my knees. So it's like this sort of yeah, divine moment. I, I call out to my, my, my flatmates, which ends up with me walking out naked. <laughs> I need, and I realize as I, I just need a towel. <laughs> but the reason, the reason I'm sharing this is that there's something quite pertinent, I feel, is that in that moment, and I've had this opportunity a few times, fear arises in the body of death or of seizure or, or lack of control. And there's this opportunity again and again to surrender to that, to, to, to yield to that, to breathe that in. And, and, and so far on dozens and dozens of occasions that has allowed the fearful nervous system or the fearful body to resume peace all by itself, to come back to, to love. So this, uh, this embodiment of peace and love is um, a, a practical step that I get to, I get to practice. And uh, you know, I, I, I hope that maybe I'm succeeding such that I won't need to continue to practice so much, but it feels like this is something that collectively is being invited to, uh, to, to face our fear of death, to, face to, 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 to come into direct contact with the, with the fear in our systems and, and to love it ultimately. Can I add? Um, Thank you for sharing that. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, what, when you were talking, Will, and as I know your story and I met you here in my house in California, I know how absolutely alive um, I, I really love uh, to to be with you phys in a, in a physical kind of contact and also through the internet because uh, you you live this um, love love and um, when you were talking um, I remember my experience actually two months ago I think 
in the beginning of this, um, if you guys, okay, if I share this, because I, I had the symptoms of, um, I don't know what it was. Um, maybe it was virus, maybe it was something, but the symptoms were uh, exactly like some people um, describe. So I had a sore throat and I had um, the burning in my chest. And that's how some people describe like burning in the chest. So since I was, uh, since I was telling people to boost the immunity, I myself loaded with vitamin C, like eight grams of vitamin C, went to bed, um, woke up burning in the chest, nothing helped. And I remember one doctor was talking about um, a treatment they, uh, they were doing um, in LA in a hospital of uh, chloroquine and zinc. And that worked. So he said, you can use um, quinine, um, any uh, any wa water that tonic water that contains quinine and I bought it so I bought the quinine and I had zinc so I took that um, protocol um, I was actually feeling really really bad at that point and I prepared to take um, the homeopathics but I realized that I can't even read anything it was i was just really kind of not good at that point um i didn't have fever but i really felt like i'm seizing up so i took that quinine water with lots of zinc and i felt like i don't know what it what it was but i felt like i really i went into this mind state of um very was very difficult to to be in my body so i went outside and i lay down and it actually reminded me ayahuasca experience <laughs> <laughs> i was i felt so nauseous um but i remember how in the you know in the jungle they like hold it <laughs> the longer you hold it the stronger the journey <laughs> so i was like elena hold the zinc <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't throw up but I lay down on on the ground and I I have to tell I did feel fear at that moment because all this fear-based narrative everywhere including Facebook and everywhere about like like this virus is deadly right so at that point, I did feel feel the fear, but I also um, took took the medicine and I lay down on 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 the ground, and I fell asleep. Guys, I don't know what happened, but I woke up maybe like half an hour or an hour later. I don't remember right now. All the symptoms were gone, like completely. Like it was from this absolutely burning in my chest and my throat to like nothing, it's all gone. So I don't know what happened, but I did have this experience. And the reason I actually wrote about it and I'm talking about it, that um, there, are, there are different 
protocols, there are different methods, there are different um, ways to boost immunity. And I had an acute, acute um, symptom, symptoms, and it worked. And I was amazed. And I had to tell these people, don't fear. Even if you think this virus is deadly and everything, there are some protocols, research it. For me, it worked. <laughs> some tonic water <laughs> without gin, <laughs> but with zinc. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And I think that one of the, uh, one, another important point of like why it's important to question what's going on and really try to listen to the experts and see what really works other than vaccines and how to strengthen our immune system. And this drug you mentioned, hydrochlorochloroquine, however you pronounce that, um, has been shown to be very effective. Many doctors have talked about it being effective, mostly alternative doctors, functional doctors, combining it with zinc and, and other things. And you see the media continually putting that down. That's what I've noticed. The, the mainstream media is like, it's dangerous, don't take it you know, that is, you know, don't do that. And so things that could be helpful and have shown to be helpful are being put down so that the people will just take the vaccine. So that's why it's, it's really important for people to question these things and find and, what works for them. And on the flip side of that, the narrative for a long time was that ventilators are the response needed. We're going to, you know, have a war effort to generate hundreds of thousands of ventilators around the world, companies changing their entire business models to produce ventilators. And then we discovered that ventilators actually appear to make it worse. Right. So just, just to really like highlight, because I've had that direct experience with doctors, well-meaning, intelligent healers, uh, doctors giving me information that if I had taken their advice, uh, would, would in all likelihood, based upon the statistics, have led to my death. Um, I've also had doctors probably in all likelihood save my life. So it's quite an interesting flip side. And I have the greatest love and compassion and respect for, for nurses and doctors before COVID-19 uh, and after COVID-19. It does seem to be a wonderful role to play in life. And in my experience, healers all. And yet within a system, to come back to something you pointed to earlier, Isaac, that is corrupted and a system that quite reasonably uh, can be compared to organized crime. So politics uh, is a key part of that and a key part of how the organ of how healthcare as it is, is, a, is an organized crime system. And I, and I refer people if they want to really look into this to Peter uh, Gurcher. I think that's how he pronounced his name. He's an individual, a, a doctor, a researcher. He's worked in pharmaceutical companies. He um, was uh, one of the founders, I believe, of the Cochrane Institute or the Cochrane Foundation, which is one of the go-to places to find the actual scientific data on um, medicines based upon an independent review rather than a meta-analysis of all of the data that's out there, rather than just going with the um, system of control of journals and so on, whereby the pharmaceutical companies will do 20 studies and 17 or whatever will be negative. We don't know because they don't publish the negative studies. Even if it's public funded, they don't 
publish the negative studies. They only publish the ones that endorse their treatment as having efficacy. So what the Cochrane Foundation does is actually look at all of them and say, what has evidence for efficacy? How do you spell that? Uh, Cochrane, C-O-C-H-R-A-N-E. And Peter Goetje is, you're testing me now, it's G-O-E-T-S-Z-C-H-E, Peter Goetje. And he's written a book and it's called um, Organized Crime. And he is um, very outspoken. And one of the ways that it resembles organized crime is that the pharmaceutical industry has been paying off government to the tune of 20 billion over the last uh, decade or two, more than the gas and coal industries put together, more than the oil industries put together, more than insurance. Yeah, that's how you look, do anybody, it. Anybody that does even a little bit of research can see the, 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 the level of corruption. But you know, what, with the rest of our time, what I would like to just um, steer the conversation into, here we are, there's a deep interest to be in life in a way that's beautiful, in a way that is um, inviting something new. So, you know, what, what, is the access, what, what is the access for that? Because to me, and again, I love simplicity. It seems to me there's awareness here in which the whole universe is perceived through the senses. There's the field of information, and it's, it's just that, it's information. And then there's our attention. And our attention is actually what produces our sense of self and the sense of the universe that we inhabit. But that habit of attention has been highly conditioned. And so for me, the, once we can slow down enough, because you know, it's been conditioned for one thing, and it's also very heavily influenced by the trauma load of our ancestry and our own, you could say, the trauma that's happened when we were in the womb. And, and we know we carry the trauma from generations back. So once we can recognize that actually attention is all that we have to give each other. It's, it's where the rubber meets the road. It's where, you know, how you could say experience happens is through the filter of our attention. And I was, by the way, another fantastic research for everybody is this doctor by the name of Zach Bush. Man, what an overview and what a, what a comprehensive knowledge he has. Mm -hmm. You can find quite a few clips of him on my Facebook feed, but also just research him. But in exploring um, the quality of attention that allows our whole neurophysiology to um, be in the flow of this intelligence is, yeah. So one of the things for me is, you know, like resting here, one of the common habits is like waiting for a better experience, like when COVID-19 is finished or when I get find the perfect person or when I get enough money. 
So I'd like to jokingly call that waiting for a better experience. And in that, if that's the habit and it's unseen, we wait our whole lives and then we die. But how can we bring our attention to this moment in a way that's sweet? It's like, you know, there's a quality of attention. I don't even have to speak, but it's actually painful. We know that a certain quality of attention within the family dynamic is enough to make someone suicidal, sick. So just, I'm just looking at how we're meeting each other in this, what do you call it? A, a quadrilogue. Quadrilogue, <laughs> yeah. We're meeting each other in a very sweet way. And, you know, it's like, how does that, how do we, you know, keep, because that's really that exploration, moment by moment by moment. It's it's beyond thought. It's somatic. It's like it's a felt sense, yeah. So there's a way where we meet each other where it feels like lovemaking. It's just like, and it's you know, it's a, I would call it true tantra. <laughs> so. And, you know, okay, great, it's good to research, but even in doing the research about what's going on, is there a way of meeting the moment as the beloved? Is there a way of feeling the nature around us and feeling the nature feeling us? And, you know, that whole being in, you know, it's like at a cellular level, when our system functions from fear, the cells, the cells at a cellular level tighten up and they can't, they can't tighten and take in nutrition at the same time. Mm -hmm. So the moment we operating fear-based, our system is losing out on <laughs> the love bath. <laughs> I, I, I love that too words together and it feels helpful to include and I invite each of us to, to to share something if there's something that comes forth what people can do or be that's helpful to themselves and the collective in this and we've talked about taking action sharing your truth on social media fearlessly or with friends in conversation is perhaps one thing but the love bath and you embodied it somewhat anyone Oh, well, sadly, not everyone, but the vast majority of people are able to go outside, take off their shoes and socks and connect with the electromagnetic field of Mother Earth and create an anti-inflammatory response, which is profound and beautiful and really fun and enjoyable. And you can then even open your arms and breathe deeply into whatever we encounter in our part in that and hopefully we have some beauty around us to behold a, a sun perhaps or a flower <laughs> a dewdrop upon a bit of grass you know we can do that for 20 minutes a day for as long as it feels enjoyable and we know that psychoneuroimmunologically scientifically evidenced we are affecting ourselves in a very positive health and healing immunologically boosting way and in the collective, by coming into that love bath and sharing that love bath, we are informing the nocebo effect, which everyone seems to have forgotten about, that is allowing a more positive collective 
trusting, happy experience such that we are literally creating physiologically something that's more desirable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, just to do just to one last little bit in there, sorry, Lynn-Marie, it's just, you know, we have this capacity to notice. I mean, you know, it seems like I don't know anybody that has no automatic unconscious uh, mechanisms playing. And so, it's, you know, it's like, and literally when it's automatic and unconscious, nobody's doing it. So sometimes we see, we see the results of an automatic unconscious mechanism playing. And then what kicks in is the wanting to change, fix, or get rid of, um, which is a way of noticing that has an agenda and it's very hard. It has a good intention, but it never works. So as we're in this process of starting to become aware of the shadow, as Lynn Marie was speaking, it's like, can we notice it gently? Can we honor it? Can we inquire into where it, at one point it was useful and then see if it's necessary in this moment? So like that constant inquiring and you know, noticing in a way that's not in the direction of trying to change, but bringing consciousness to it and really checking in the moment if it's necessary or useful. Because, yeah. you know, waking up is, I would say, the very first little step, which a lot of people have never taken that step. But once that happens, if there's these unconscious patterns playing, every interaction that's going through a quality of attention that's painful is going to bring its feedback. And it's going to keep reinforcing itself everywhere. So that gentle noticing and starting to, you could say, explore and find what is the quality of attention that just yeah, invites that love bath? Mm. Yeah. I think I have, you know, thank you. Um, I think I've just another way of saying the same thing. Beautiful. <laughs> you know, is, which is, um, no, I think what's important is to just stay in integrity uh, with our deepest truth, the deepest truth that we know through all of this and really commit to that. That's what's happening for me is it's feel like there's no time, you know, to, to not be committing our attention to that and to find from within that commitment and a connection, deep intimate connection with what we really are, a way to meet what is without pushing it away, without going into reactivity, without going into fear. And that is a challenge. I find myself practicing, you know, what I can meet within myself, what I can meet from what I, all this information we're taking in and still stay in the love, you know, in that, that center. So there it's, it's all there and not to push any of it away to fully allow it to fully embrace it and stay intimately connected with that, with that deeper truth. No, no distancing at all. So that's my practice, you know, that I be with every day and fail at every day, but am, you know, committed to that, uh, to meet this with the wholeness of myself, all of me, you know, there's this human here 
that has all kinds of reactions to what's going on. And there's something else. There's something else that we are. We are this one shared being. And um, I'm deeply committed to, to that and meeting all of my experience, you know, within myself and within the world so that I can be uh, an expression that moves us all along. We're all in this interconnected way that moves us all along towards that truth and towards more, more freedom, more harmony, more love, the way that it should be here, you know, with this, with human life. And um, so just being committed to that, being in integrity with that in every way that we can, I think is so crucial right now. You know, one other thing that came up when you were talking, Will, and I, and I, I love to make a distinction. You know, this bodying activity um, inherent is, you know, it knows what's food for it and it knows what's, what's dangerous to it, even at the at level of bacteria. And in the human expression, which consists of bacteria, viruses, fungi, all of it coming together, when life appears to be threatened, fight, flight, or freeze is going to happen from the perspective of the physiology. So you spoke about fear arising. My sense is that's just the, the physiology responding to something that's intense that's going on. And then we talk about fear of death, and to me, is it, are we afraid of death or are we afraid of the idea of dying? Because it's, it's very different, those two things. So, and to distinguish between that, that, that response of the physiology to some, like Elena spoke of that, you know, like, poof, suddenly things are happening where you can feel this. <laughs> if something doesn't change, this is going, going in one direction. <laughs> and, but this fear of, fear of the idea of dying and just realizing, you know, people that have had the experience usually don't have much fear of it. Yeah. And people that haven't, yeah, exactly the opposite. And so, yeah, it just, Making that distinction, it's, a, it's the fear of an idea of dying. It's not dying itself. I also um, think it's also um, a fear of living. It's not really oh. a fear of dying because we don't mm. have an experience of dying. Most of us mm. don't. It's a fear of living, living mm. fully like mm. we spoke. Yeah. Living fully. That's what... And, uh, and because people not living fully, at the same time, they have a fear of a fear of living and a fear of not living. It's like lots of fear, and we call it fear of dying. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody had that death experience yet. <laughs> Most of us, yeah. Um, for me, my journey was um, very long, almost 50 years of coming to um, 
embodying the the fully humanity and i call actually uh, i call it for myself complete humanity it's almost all my life 50 years so i i don't really know what is needed for um for others i i i don't know because it took 50 years for me to just to come to to this um point in my life and in this body and in this mind and in this psychology and with this nerve nervous system that is uh was nervous 50 50 years and love it love it <laughs> like really love it you know so for me i know what what i went and and why i'm not afraid right now because i love it I love who I am. I love. I love what I'm living. I love what's going on. Whatever is going on, it's it's interesting. It's not boring. <laughs> it's amazing. So I don't know what what other people need, but what I am committed to is to be myself and to share my experience. And a lot of people will run away from me because I am as raw as I as as it gets. <laughs> I just raw. <laughs> and some people will resonate with that, with, with, with that simplicity. I think I, it's it's really simple. I, I don't even have a, a huge vocabulary to 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 describe my experience. English is not my, my first language. And my, my actually biggest fear is not being able to express myself, not being able to express in a simple way my experience so others can benefit from it somehow if they resonate or run away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Which might be the first step of benefiting. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and and it and it's true, um, Isaac. It's very true because let's just um, let's just have its naturally sort itself. People who resonate will congregate together, bond together, experience whatever they experience together. Instead of trying to change, you know how people come and shame you and me too what we cost <laughs> and the easier way would be to find somebody with whom you resonate what they post and uh have a love how you say it love bomb love <laughs> love 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 There's a, a word I uh, have heard coming forth, which is uh, simplicity. And um, a, a hero of mine, a gentleman called Henry David Thoreau, uh, taught three things. Simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. <laughs> and of course, in modern America, people tend to love Henry David Thoreau, but fail to follow either of his, any of his three teachings. 
Um, and he was an extraordinary soul who uh, you were speaking, Lynn Marie, of, of that commitment to truth. And that evoked in me this uh, give me truth. He spoke of going to a dinner party and there being wine and good food, but no sincerity. And he left hungry. And so there's this evoking, give me truth, not riches, not money, not power, give me truth. And he wrote this wonderful essay called Civil Disobedience that points to the civic responsibility of any good citizen to resist a law that is immoral or unsound. Yeah. And right now, I just want to draw attention to two very simple facts. Uh, one that we've highlighted is that historically and, and logically, without needing to go to university for 10 years as an epidemiologist or whatever, if you have a threat and there's a group of people that have that threat, that's the minority, the vast minority, you quarantine that vast minority. I mean, that's just the obvious thing to do rather than to quarantine the majority. And the other simple fact is that in our quarantine the majority, whether by nefarious intent or not, I don't know, it, it occurred to me, it became clear that the, the steps we are taking are not just a little bit harmful, they're not just a little bit bad for the immune system, but they are the complete list of everything you could possibly do to harm human health and well-being based upon the science. That's, that's why. That's why I say it's not. It's not any doubt about nefariousness. That's absolutely. It's you know. It, it's a planned agenda that actually sucks. And those people that are doing that, at some point it would be great if there's enough recognition and they are jailed or they, or, or maybe not jailed. I don't believe in punishment, but somehow invited to... to they would need uh, to be contained. That they be contained, yeah. And removed from power, certainly. And I, I, I appreciate you um, taking that clarity because if you look at how long the list is it cannot be seen to be accidental we we know that human connection is essential for well-being we know that loneliness and stress and financial distress are the greatest causes of and touch mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. so to remove all of these things by law from the majority that are healthy in an attempt to create health in, it just doesn't make any sense. Based on fear, based on fear and having all the media, which is bought and owned, blasting it out. You can't tell me that this is not, uh, that, that, that this, it's not a conspiracy. It's well planned and well thought out. And, and you know, I have to say- It's been planned for a long time. Yeah, and it's been planned for a while. And whether that's conspiracy, that's the definition of conspiracy. That yeah. something's been planned in secret and then with, with not everybody's best interest. That's the definition of conspiracy. Well, the, the list that you 
that you just gave uh, Will is obviously on that list that this not the best interest of the people that is that they have in mind in making those you know <laughs> those determinations telling people to be separate to be distant to not gather to not congregate to um, you, it's a, you're right it's an exact list of what not to do and how to make the immune system weaker how to damage people psychologically emotionally and then the financial disaster that this is causing you know um, and spin it in a way that people go along with it my god right. well i think that you know we've talked about fear of death you several of you brought up fear of death and i think the the planners of this people are calling it a pandemic um are, are taking advantage of the human beings fear of uh, fear of death right because this is a virus they're telling everybody it's going to kill them so people are afraid of death and so they comply and, there's another, and also sorry. it's fun that you're doing it for other people that you're doing it for the other, but you know it's like like you said well quarantine the people that are sick but it's funny because even that doesn't apply like when we were kids and someone had measles we would go over to their house to get it because you knew knew it brought a, um, immunity so for the people that have a strong immune system it's actually useful to come in contact well, it's it's part of building a strong immunity to have those diseases and you know we're old enough to know that we all, all had measles you know i had measles chicken pox mumps all of that and now the pharmaceutical industry is promoting measles as a deadly disease. So people are being conditioned in this way. And a, another simple fact to draw attention to is that if you wanted to weaken someone's, specifically weaken their immune system, you, you would have them constantly sanitizing their hands and not leaving their house for three months. Mm. They, they would and then scrubbing down their counters, scrubbing down their groceries, scrubbing, you know, you know, germs and microbes and viruses are everywhere. And we, we need to be exposed to them. Absolutely. And there's a fear I want to speak to as well that I think is very relevant to our discussion, which is, yes, the fear of death and also the fear of being ostracized or the fear of being rejected from the herd. That, that right. goes back. That there's a collective load we're carrying there, both biologically, uh, physiologically, spiritually as well, that it, we, 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 as uh, Bill Hicks <laughs> beautifully puts it, this is just a ride. And some of us on the ride awaken, remember that it's just a ride. They point out to us that it's twists and turns, and ulti but it's ultimately just a ride. And what do we do to those people? We kill them. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Socrates, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and so on and so on and so on. So the fear of death and the fear of being rejected from the herd. Is <laughs> that, that's what's, that they manipulate people with that fear, you know, and the conspiracy theory is part of that. And that uh, if you are talking about things that are put in the category of conspiracy theory, what comes with that is also, you're a nutcase, crazy, tinfoil hat, wearing nut job, and nobody wants to be in that case. We all wanna be part of the herd and accepted, and so people don't listen to these things because of that. So that's another tendency in human beings that need to be accepted and part of the herd that is being manipulated. And that's part of, for me, 
the impulse to speak out because in using whatever you know has a you know merit the system has accumulated in terms of people listening to it that look this is not crazy right right that it's that actually you know it's actually you know i've been asked a lot why am i doing this i don't know why i'm doing it i just know that something in me doesn't have an option it right. has to Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and we've used the word herd and yeah. we've hearing this term herd immunity. And so one clear way that we can move forward is to be speaking truth, to be sharing our experience, to be speaking courageously, such that a movement of love and clarity grows such that there's a majority such that there's enough people such that it does not become crazy to question the craziness you know one other thing that i'd love to bring into this conversation just to get your guys' input i'm getting a lot of flack that some of my posts are coming from right-wing groups that have a, a nefarious agenda Sounds like a conspiracy theory. And 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 for me, I know that you know uh, there are groups within groups within groups, and there's all this this other activity. But to me, when something speaks to my heart, I don't really care where it comes from. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's like, but I get hammered with that really a lot. It's like. Man, you know that you're actually then supporting their agenda. Right. I think and that I, I can comment on that if you want. That I think I would love it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the information is being politicized, you know, to right and left. But what's yeah. interesting is that what used to be thought of as the far left fringe that looked at the conspiracy theories, now the far right is looking at the same material. And, and they're also saying some of the, a lot of the same things about the control, about the vaccines, about the new world order, and so on. And that has a lot to do with uh, QAnon, if anybody's familiar with that, the mm -hmm. information yeah. coming from there that a lot of what you could call right when people have listened to for some years now. So they're coming together. The far left and the far right are kind of joining full circle in some ways. And, um, yeah, so, but my, my question is, you know, like this, this, this idea that if you using posts from anywhere other than like independently researched scientific right. stuff that you're actually uh, promoting something that you don't intend to. And to me, that it's like, it drives me a bit nuts. That's because another way I, to discredit it. It's another way that yeah, people are discrediting yeah. the information, like those yeah. doctors that question the, you know, the quarantine, the two doctors from Bas mm. Bakersfield, yeah. they took their yeah. video down from YouTube. Mm. And I sent that to, to, to people who responded back saying, did you realize that that was on a right-wing Christian website? And so mm -hmm. they just completely dismissed it. Well, it was mm -hmm. a lot of other places on the internet too, but... You know, that's one way that people can discredit things. If it does, it's not in alignment with their side or some other and side. From, from how I see it, 
a lot of, you know, there's so much like Facebook, where do you post stuff that doesn't agree, go with the, so some people find themselves in these right-wing, um, that's the only place they can post. Right. So I and, don't really and, care. Uh, yeah. And now Fox News is a place that's talking a lot about what we're talking about. Yes. You know, Fox News is the one, the one news media now that's actually talking about these things. <laughs> so it's all crazy, but you know, don't don't pay attention to them. Just you know, post what you know feels true to your heart. Yeah, mm. it's always going to get criticized by somebody. Oh, for sure. Somebody somebody posted a picture of a fence post and says she has a just a fence post. Now let's see all the comments about this fence post. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a a simple fact uh, to, to to highlight as well as we uh, come to come to some completion that the uh, social media platforms YouTube and Facebook are taking on a role of of censorship. That's so wrong. If, if you so wrong. post an yeah. alternative perspective to the WHO official line of COVID-19, you will be removed from YouTube. Yeah. And if people think that's anything other than a great concern, abhorrent tyranny, basis yeah. of tyranny and fascism, they're mm. confused and naive. Mm. Facebook mm. is doing the same. I posted something that had, um, that shared a scientific rationale that the environmental stress of EMF can evoke an exoma reaction that I don't know enough about biology to be determining how sound it is, but it was making this connection between COVID-19 and 5G. It's just a scientific hypothesis. By all means, test it and disprove it. Facebook messaged me with some automated things saying this has been disproved, which it hasn't. It's just a complete lie. Mm. You, you, you can say that's not our opinion. We think it's unhelpful to public health to say it, but it hasn't been disproved. Absolutely has not yeah. been disproved. Show me a biologist who thinks it's an unreasonable hypothesis. I'll show you a biologist who thinks it's a reasonable hypothesis. Mm -hmm. But the point being, when private companies such as YouTube and Facebook start to take on a role of censorship. And Bill Gates with <laughs> influencing the WHO. I mean, it's, you call, and you say this, I mean, he was known for he was he was taken to court for uh, um, monopolistic activity, amongst other things. Yeah, and he's doing the same thing again, just under the disguise, rebranded as a philanthropist. Yeah, phil philanthropy. Thing. His his fund has uh, generated twenty eight billion from investment mm -hmm. in pharmaceutical companies, funnily enough, and given out about twenty three billion in the same time frame. So this this extraordinary generosity of creating a fund. Mm -hmm that allows and, his and money it, to be tax-free, so long as he just gives away a petty 5% of it. it. It's quite interesting. It's quite, it doesn't take a lot of critical thinking, you know, to, mm -hmm. to really investigate this. I think people are afraid of seeing the truth. It's disturbing, it's disturbing to hear about these uh, control agendas and, you know, how we're being misled and deceived and manipulated. People don't want to see that, it's scary. But I think, as Isaac said, one thing I hope that comes out of our discussion here is that people can see that it's okay to question and, and things aren't right of what we're being told. We are not being told the truth. We are being manipulated. And that I can feel that in my gut, in my heart, 
And in my mind, I can see that and it's okay to question it. And if we don't, uh, then it will just continue. And it's moving quickly. Do you all feel that? It's moving really oh, quickly. Yeah. yeah, they're just really coming in, you know, for the, for the control, with the control. So we have to wake up. And it's not just wake up spiritually. We need to wake up to what's going on and um, speak out and stand up to that as much as we can. Because people ask me, well, what's the point of looking at? Why are you looking at all this, Lynn Marie? It's disturbing. Well, I want to be at least one person that's willing to, to wake up and stand in the truth at the same time, you know, the deepest truth and the relative truth. Because if, if enough people don't do that, this agenda that we're talking about will take place. You know, if enough people are, are ignoring the truth, it will happen. And, and you know, so that's, we, that's why we, I look at it. We have to look yeah. at it or it'll happen. And we had such an inspirational movement happening at Standing Rock. Even though the indigenous people lost, man, the spirit in which they entered that, praying right. for the people that were squirting them with freezing water in the middle of winter. We had a similar thing that happened in Byron area. Uh, where they wanted to frack here and people went and camped out for months in this farmer's field and of well, course this is it was reported what it's gonna, this is what it's going to take and most people aren't willing to do what it's going to take and yeah. so i believe you know. is it mawilimba or Mulumbimbi where they have successfully prevented 5g from being in still but they but they there's people that are standing there 24 7 because telstra keeps trying to sneak in there and put a 5g even though the council has said they don't want it, mm -hmm. Telstra is a private organization and apparently they can do it. And, you know, and so there's people that take shifts now. And any time something suspicious happens, they call up and then people respond to the call. And so far they've managed to keep it out. Yeah, I really believe that just um, there is a shift in consciousness needed for sure. But we also need to take action. That's what I've talked about awakened activism. I just spoke to, did a podcast with Will a few years ago about that. That, but from an awakened place, from, from an infinite wisdom, not from division and polarity and reactivity and fear. How can we move and be from, from a different place? And I don't know if we're ready for that next evolutionary step or not, but I think that's what it's gonna take. Yeah, no, I yeah. agree. Well, thanks for inviting us and bringing us together like this. A deep great pleasure. Appreciation. Thank deep you. Appreciation you. to you, Lynn Marie, to you, yes. Elena. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. thank you, all of you. Can I add something? Um, Please. Because I was waiting when you guys were talking, and uh, I work with a lot of suppressed people, and I myself was suppressed. And when we talk, listen from the heart we need to be active you know um it it doesn't work with people who not in touch with themselves at all mm -hmm. yeah. who are looking for constantly for validation and love from outside then they have no idea mm -hmm. what they're feeling they that's why um that's why uh, the media is successful. Mm -hmm. So uh, I see it as every one of us is basically responsible to find 
our own being. Who we are here, why we are here, what we are doing here, what, what is the uh, uniqueness of me here, uh, where is the love? All these like simple questions that then after that, then after that, the action is possible. And before that is, is not possible. I know it for myself. I wasn't interested in politics at all. And suddenly I am not interested, but I find like you, Isaac said, like suddenly there is not even a choice. You're just doing it. You just, you just, like my partner said, said, Elena, you constantly fillet yourself like a fish, you know, like fillet, <laughs> like fillet yourself in the open. Why am I doing this? Like why? Because I just want, I just want people to see that you can survive, you know, you can, you can step into a very vulnerable place. And even when everybody turn away, you still, I'm still there. I'm like a cockroach, you know? <laughs> and so step, little step by step, just opening yourself up in, in that courage, which was courage for me before. Now it's not even courage. It's just uh, what I am. Before, it had to be courage. Yes, I had to prepare. I felt in my whole body, fear, all the sensations, and I would go and, and show myself just like that. And so doing the little steps like this and watching like Lynn, uh, Lynn and, and, and me and Isaac and, and uh, Will, watching how we step up um, courageously or not even, for me it was a courage today actually because I didn't speak for a long time. And for me to speak up, uh, gosh, I had so much in my body. I had to lay down on the ground to ground myself to come mm -hmm. here and speak. And this kind of little things, okay, you can't, uh, somebody, for example, he, they are not in touch with, right? Use the, use the earth, mm -hmm. take your shoes off, walk barefoot, start to feel your body, start to feel again, start to feel again not just think start to feel again you know and 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 then after that we can talk about a action because a lot of people not ready for this for, no, for the action has to come from that from that place of truth you're talking about exactly exactly like you can't come like, from fear and division that doesn't work in opposition exactly like you said from the wisdom place right yeah that right. word etymologically to share with our listeners courage is from accur from the french which is from the heart so it can be confused with bravery but courage is very specifically to come into if there is a place where heaven and earth meet where our mind and feelings coincide where we can in direct contact with our divine essence we might say this is our heart and uh hmm. i'm aware of our time and i'm sure we all have other things to do though um, two hours huh? we could quite happily uh go on and on so for now it might be a part one who knows but for now thank you so much lynn marie 
Thank you so much, mm. Isaac. Thank you so mm. much, Elena. It's been a real joy to mm. be with each of you. I appreciate your time so much. And thank you to our listeners, to our viewers. We've perhaps touched on an expanding of what politically can mean. You don't have to get involved in politics as such, but to be political is to take action in the world, to care and to communicate courageously. Uh, Love and Truth Party is one offering, inspiring us, inviting us to take action in the world. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. You can visit loveandtruthparty.org to join the community, uh, download or order love letters if you want to playfully disrupt people's experience through love. You can register with our newsletter, connect on social media, and please do consider financial support at loveandtruthparty.org. Thank you to all of our supporters and contributors. Together we are creating kind, conscious, courageous human community. 